It's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? language intended for adult audiences. Viewer discretion advised. Two young men who were about to see Maniac said movies are fiction. It's real life that's scary. It bothers you to see some guy like Bitteker, for instance, who's convicted of doing torture and murder on young girls, but it doesn't bother you to see them. Well, no, not really, because in the movie, well, it's just a movie. It's fiction, but uh, in Bitteker's case, that's true. It freaks me out a little. Uh, this doesn't give you nightmares? No, not If you were a young woman, do you think it might? Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be seen if I was a young woman. Video games, video nasties, horror movies, heavy metal music, comic books, the goth subculture, playing records backwards. Oh yes, it's always some form of entertainment that's to blame for the violent world we live in. Responsible for guns and mass shootings, responsible for the hatred and anger in the world. No, you dumbasses. I'm pretty sure the problem is not the entertainment world. It's not subcultures, it's not books. It's not any of the things you claim it to be. The problem is people. The problem is government, or the illusion of. <laughs> the problem is the human nature that is of a violent kind. I've said it on the show before. The human race is naturally destructive. It's what we do. And while I say that, not all humans are destructive. I'm aware of this. There are a lot of beautiful people in the world. People with big hearts and loving character. People who love each other, love animals love to indulge in the world's being blamed for the gun problem in the United States yet again. You want to know something? Those of us who are, you know, busy playing video games, watching movies and reading books, listening to music, entertaining ourselves for hours on end, you know why we do it? Because the real world is too fucking scary for us. We immerse ourselves in these worlds for hours, days, weeks, because it's our escape. It's, it, it's how we get away from all the bullshit. Your world is too fucking scary for us to be a part of. But yes, let's blame the video game world yet again. Or movies like Maniac and Cannibal Holocaust, Evil Dead, Halloween, Last House on the Left. That one gets a lot of blame. Uh, or recently, The Hunt uh, being canceled before even being released uh, because, you know, reasons. Uh, because some kid walked into a Walmart and began unloading bullets on the public, taking life after life. Yeah, um, 
it's shitty. I'm not gonna lie. It, it it's it's very sad. But instead of putting the blame where the blame needs to go, let's blame the things that didn't put the gun in the hands of these horrible people. Because yes, that is what they are. Yeah, I know I'm being opinionated here and I'm saying they're horrible people. They are. They're fucking assholes. But you know what? We'll blame the things that allow us to escape for a while. You know, the video games we love to immerse ourselves in for hours. You know, almost becoming a part of that world. Because, what? Yes, me playing Arkham Knight made me want to go out and, you know, beat the shit out of people and shoot people and stuff. No, it didn't. (laughs) But it's an easier target, I guess. Typical world we live in. Let's always turn a blind eye to the real fucking problem. You know, oh, and here's the funny thing. You know, Walmart, yes, let's keep selling guns. You know, uh, we'll take down signage about video games, but we're going to keep selling our guns. Yeah, real fucking smart there, guys. You know, the government is going to protect their guns, though, and the NRA will protect their gun rights. I wonder if the next thing that we'll be getting blamed for, you know, mass shootings and stuff will be podcasts. You know, maybe Spotify will get blamed, you know, because, ooh, subliminal messages and the music you're allowed to stream on Spotify. Like, fucking hell, what the hell is... Enough is enough, people. I'm, I'm so sick of this shit. I've been playing video games since my single-digit years of life, okay? <laughs> Never once did I think that I would unload a shower of bullets on, on, on a crowd of people. It's just not something I thought of. No, I played Duck Hunt and I shot, a, a, you know, pixels on a screen. It didn't make me want to kill someone. I've been watching horror movies since I was, what, you know, four, five, six? <laughs> okay, granted, yes, they got worse as I got older. But the, the whole thing is, is it, it, you know what, you know what watching horror movies did? You know what it did? It inspired me to talk, to create a podcast. It made me want to create something. It didn't make me want to go kill people. No, I don't, I don't want to kill people. If anything, I want more people around to keep making more podcasts. So I can enjoy it. You know you know what horror movies did? They created passion. Because passion is what video games and horror movies and, and books and music, that's what they do. They create passion. It's, it, it, and it's passion in a vast majority of us. But this idiotic blame game, you know, and it's always the media and it's always these quote-unquote elected officials. Because let's face it, we all know voting doesn't really actually fucking work. But anyways... These elected officials, like, this blame game is getting tiresome now. It's stupid. It's time it fucking stopped. Like, and social media, uh, that doesn't help much. I mean, it, it just people posting and posting and posting about it. And I'm not talking about, like, my friends that post it and, like, laugh at it. Because that's what a lot of us do. We laugh at this shit. But <laughs> it, it's the whole idea of, you know... Media networks using social media to, I'm going to tweet this out and watch it like spread like wildfire. And that's exactly what it does. And then it keeps people talking about something that's not the real problem. It's time that this shit stops. Okay? The real problem is not the video games. It's not the horror movies. It's not the books we read. Comic books are a great escape, man. Because also they got the nice visuals. So, I mean... You're reading a comic book, you get to visualize it, you get to read the dialogue, you get to play it out in your head and whatnot. Comic books are not causing people, if anything, it's caused introversion, okay? We're all introverts. We all want to hide. And reason being, the world is too fucking scary for us to deal with. But that's enough of that. I'm not going to 
go on about this anymore. I've said my piece. It's time to move on to the fun part of the show and stop giving time to a topic that's never going to change anyways. The same bullshit argument is going to come out after every fucking time something happens in the world. I've said all I feel I need to say on this. I Because a- anything after this point is just going to be me being repetitive. So Now, finally... On to the real show. Coming to you, undead, from Studio Zero, and the Next Level Network of Podcasts. Taking you to the dark reaches of space and early special effects. It's time to ask the weekly question, What What lurks behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero? Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. This... This here is the 51st episode. We are now into the second half to 100 episodes. And as I promised last week, don't worry, after 100, I'm not stopping. I just I like to have goals. I like to set, set destinations. Destinations in space and time. Yeah, I got to think about the space thing this week. Probably because of this week's episode. It's a listener request mentioned that last week actually a listener request from a fellow podcaster from the next level network uh, keith bowerman you might know him from the show this week we're talking about uh his pick though ah this one was one from my youth i hadn't seen this movie in a long time and it was nice to go back and watch it watched it twice actually movie of the movie review of the week is one that was released by Disney. Yes, believe it or not, I'm reviewing a Disney movie. It's kind of cool, actually. It kind of it works. It works. You will see as I review the movie how it works. The movie, because why I gotta keep babbling? Should just tell you the fucking title. Uh, from 1979, The Black Hole. The Black Hole. Yeah. Um. All right. First. 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 Quick, uh, quick little mention uh, for anyone interested, and I uh, personally ordered one myself. I'm not gonna lie; I hate social media. You guys know that. I mean, I use it a lot, but I hate it. Uh, it's kind of like a love-hate thing. But something came up on my social media, like accounts, this week that actually caught my attention. I was like, "Whoa, fuck! That's pretty cool." So, if you go to creepycompany.com. Uh, they are offering a really cool throw blanket, and it's um, guys like almost like four and a half feet by like five feet like in, in size. It's a nice big blanket. Um, the artwork on the blanket though is the original media release uh, VHS box art for uh, John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. The blanket itself is only 34.99 and shipping, like plus shipping. So. It looks fucking awesome. I can't wait till I get mine. I believe they wrote on the website that they they will begin shipping um, August 15th. So I wanted to mention that. I thought it was kind of cool for anyone interested um, because I know I picked one up. I was like, I have to have this. Um, so also, I got to throw this out there. Um, not recommendation of the week. Like it's not the lurker's recommendation, but just something I wanted to put out there. I did get a chance to finally watch Brightburn. 
Okay, so it's an okay movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's a bad movie. It's not horrible or nothing. Everyone should give it a chance. I, personally, especially if you are um, a fan of comic book movies, you know, Superman. But let's say the Superman story always bothered you. I, I myself personally was never a huge Superman fan. I do love the Christopher Reeve films and, you know, but I also like the Henry Cavill films, which like people like, there's a lot of people that didn't like Man of Steel and I loved it. I thought it was a great modern take on the whole mythos of Superman and whatnot. I know a lot of people had problems with like, you know, uh, Jonathan Kent and some of the things he said to Clark and stuff. Like Whatever. I mean, it, it's it's a modern day take in a modern world where everyone's paranoid. So, I mean, it kind of worked in my opinion anyways. But talking about Brightburn, uh, James Gunn film, supposed to be the whole idea of what it would have been like if Superman had not gone good but had become kind of evil kind of idea and that's really putting it loosely you really have to watch the film to see the whole idea behind the film again it's okay um i gotta i I gotta put this out there i'm really getting annoyed with the whole jump scare thing and this movie tries it as well does a few jump scares i don't find jump scares work anymore because they are happening too much in films so the movie's not great, but definitely worth watching. I, I recommend it to everyone because I, I, my thing is, is that my opinion is my opinion, but that doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong. It's just my opinion, right? So there's a lot of people that I've seen that really loved this movie. There's quite a few reviews I read also where people are like, this movie's shit. Okay, I didn't think it was shit. I mean... There's some really cool scenes in it. It's shot very well, but it didn't do anything I didn't see coming. You know what I mean? Not saying the movie was overly predictable, but it just didn't really surprise me. There was nothing where I went, oh shit, didn't see that coming. No, it it just played out. It's quick paced. There's There's some things in the film actually that are kind of missing that I think should have been left in there, but you know, like, I get that they didn't want to retell the Superman story, so they omitted some of, like... Like, he grows from, like, a baby to a boy, like, basically through a a bunch of shots of, like, you know, pictures and and video footage and stuff like that. But it's all done, like, very rapidly. And the next thing you know, he's 12 years old. I was like, all right, well... I mean, I get it. They didn't want to extend the whole fucking story, like, you know, like Superman from 1978, you know, the first hour is watching Clark grow from a baby to a man, so, I don't know, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, I I, I do recommend it, It, like, you know, give it a shot, but me personally, I'm like kind of in the middle, it's about like a 5 out of 10 for me, because, I don't know, it didn't do anything amazing, let's put it that way, but, One more thing, and then we're going to move on to the review of the week. Uh, Lurker's recommendation, recommendation for the week, is not a movie. Um, It's two, I say two videos, there's several, actually, on Facebook. Um, They possibly are on YouTube as well, but I know that Facebook was live airing uh, over the weekend. There was a festival in Germany called the Mira Luna Festival. For those of you not familiar with the Mara Luna Festival, it's basically, it's kind of like Woodstock for goths, okay? Like, it's, 
the audience, every time they show, you know, the bands playing and then they show the audience, it's like a sea of black. You know, everyone's wearing black. And then you got that one odd person who's like wearing like a red shirt. It was like kind of funny. I was like, red shirt, Star Trek, you know. Uh, anyways, you get where I'm going with this. Um, anyways, it's it's a great festival. It's been going on for at least 20 years that I know of. Uh, I've never personally been able to go to it um, due to reasons that I can't go on a plane. I, I basically have no way of getting to Germany unless I do it by boat. Not happening. So, the thing is, is that this past weekend, through Facebook and uh, the website, I think was like art dot like art dot de. Um, it's like it, it's a German website, anyways. They were live broadcasting many of the performances, not all of them, but many of them from the Maraluna Festival. Two that really stood out for me, um, Diary of Dreams, which uh, is very dark and brooding music, but it's, it's music that I, I, I've loved for well over a decade now. Uh, Adrian Hates makes some of the, the, the best dark music, I, I, and I love his voice, and I love their sound. So their performance, which was only 38 minutes long, but it was a decent performance nonetheless, uh, you can find it actually on the Maraluna Facebook page. It wasn't a Diary of Dreams did not broadcast it through their Facebook page, but it was on the Maraluna Facebook page. And then probably what was my favorite performance of the weekend, uh, VNV Nation. Almost the full performance. It looks like they cut into like the first song. Um, there's a bit of the intro missing, but basically the full hour and 15 minutes is on there. It's on their Facebook page. It's also on the Mara Luna Facebook page. Uh, high high quality. Uh, you know, 720p. It, it looks nice. Sounds nice. Both videos are well worth watching. Other bands that they you know put their performances on Death Stars, Combi Christ. Combi Christ was kind of good. The only thing was, was um, Combi Christ is a hard band to put on stage uh, simply because of the instrumentation in the studio albums is usually hard to recreate on live. So live, basically, you have Andy singing, two drummers, uh, one doing electronic percussion, one doing you know acoustic percussion, and then a guitarist. But there's all the keyboard stuff is like obviously on, on you know, like a, like it's a, recording track that's playing over the speakers and whatnot still a great you know great energetic performance and whatnot um but the like i said the two that really stood out for me were uh, diary of dreams and vnv nation which probably at the end of this episode i am going to uh play a track from the vnv nation performance because that was something else it, it would i got goosebumps watching it a couple times really really beautiful and whatnot so that's that. Um, let's do this. Let's uh, let's drop a trailer and let's uh, talk about this uh, this Disney sci-fi adventure, which is probably a little bit darker than uh, you would expect Disney to be. Although, let's face it, Disney does have some dark films out there for those who you know think they're all happy and gleeful. No, not everything is silly symphonies. You know, some of it is Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and. You know, these these movies, and those are the animated ones. I'm not even talking about the live-action shit. You know, Black Hole is a dark film. Um, but more on that after the trailer drop. Back in a moment, kids. 
There is an inexorable force in the cosmos where time and space converge. A place beyond man's vision, but not his reach. It is the most mysterious and awesome point in the universe. Where the here and now may be forever. On my ship, you ask. It is unavoidable. Moving through space, swallowing everything in its path. Radio waves, light. Are you programmed to speak? Even planets and stars. straight for the black hole. What'll we do? We wait. Day 547. Unscheduled course correction due at 2200. Pre-correction check. Rotation access plus 3 degrees. Nitrous oxide pressure 4100 rising to 5000. Quadjet C and D on pre-select. Rotor ignition sequence beginning in 3, 0. Thruster line reactors on standby. None of that shit makes any sense unless you've watched this movie. <laughs> so, The Black Hole, 1979. Like I said earlier, it's a listener request from Keith Bowerman. Thanks, Keith. Um, it was nice to uh, go back and watch a movie from my youth so I could feel really old. Thanks. Thanks for that. 
No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, this uh, this movie's decent. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's something. I say it's something because I have a full review I have to talk about, and I don't want to you know lead in with the final thoughts. So on to the black hole. Sounds like like a death metal song. Black hole. Cookie monster music, yeah. Um, all right, that hurt the throat. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, the black hole premiered December eighteenth, nineteen seventy nine, in London, England. Its North American release would be three days later, uh, December twenty first, nineteen seventy nine. Saw the North American wide theatrical release. So the film, The Black Hole, is directed by Gary Nelson. Gary Nelson was actually more known to be a TV director. Uh, Did a lot of work on shows like Gilligan's Island and Get Smart. He had a whole bunch of them. But those those were the two shows I think he did the most directing on. So I was like, jot those down. Uh, The film, the screenplay was written by Jeb Rosebrook and Jerry Day. Neither of them really did much else that I was looking at, so whatever. This is this is probably their, you know, their magnum opus. <laughs> Let's call it that. Produced by Ron Miller. Ron Miller did a lot of Disney movies. A lot of Disney movies I like too. I was kind of impressed. He uh, films like The Fox and the Hound, Tron, The Black Cauldron, The Watcher in the Woods, and The Cat from Outer Space, which, if you haven't seen The Cat from Outer Space, yes, it's a family movie, it's kind of campy and cheesy, but it's a lot of fucking fun. And me being a dog person, I gotta admit, I actually liked a movie about a cat. It was kind of good. Cinematography for the film was done by Frank Phillips, who did Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which is a... It's another fun Disney movie. It was kind of interesting while I was... Re- like doing the review for this uh, movie this week, I realized I actually like a lot of Disney movies. You know, it, especially being like a horror fanatic, you know, it's not it's not too often you see horror fanatics love Disney movies as well. But yeah, I, there's a lot of Disney movies I actually really like. Um, the music music is done by John Barry. Gee, didn't I just talk about this guy a couple weeks ago? Yes, I did actually because he did the music for Star Crash. Um, I have things to say about Star Crash in this review. So, I'm going to just quickly say he's done music for Star Crash, Octopussy, View to a Kill, and of course, as I mentioned the last time I talked about him, da 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 da, he did Howard the Duck. Uh, because Howard the Duck is a huge cult favorite of mine. I love that fucking movie. I've said it before, I'll say it again. On to our starring cast. This movie was nice because it was very confined. There wasn't a lot of cast members, so it's kind of easy to keep track of names and whatnot. Starring cast, your opening, your top billing role in this film, Maximilian Schell as Dr. Hans Reinhardt. He, um, he actually did more movies that I've seen than I realized. Um, I mean, I knew I always knew the name but I never realized I saw as many films of, of his as, that I had. Uh, however, he does have 113 acting credits, so no, I haven't seen them all. <laughs> but he did uh, Judgment at Nuremberg, uh, Deep Impact, which I recently just picked up on VHS, 
Not the best movie, I know, but it's eh, guilty pleasure, I guess they call him. Uh, he was in John Carpenter's Vampires. He played uh, Cardinal Alba. Uh, he was also in the 1980 TV movie The Diary of Anne Frank, which I think I actually have seen that probably years, years, years ago. But it, when I was reading like the cast and whatnot, it seemed familiar to me. So for me now, this next actor is who I would call the top billing. But you know, Maximilian Shell gets top billing. Uh, for me though, it's this guy, Anthony Fucking Perkins. Yes. Everyone's favorite Norman Bates is in this movie. Um, he plays Dr. Alex Durant. Now, movies he's been in. Well, let's see. Um, Psycho 1, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, Psycho 4. You get the fucking point. He's Norman Bates. Come on. Uh, but he was also in uh, Murder on the Orient Express with Albert Finney, Lauren Bacall, Sean Connery, and Ingrid Bergman. I didn't know that. And... I swear I've seen that movie before, but I did not remember Anthony Perkins being in it, so maybe it's not that movie I saw, for all I know. Sometimes it gets hard to keep track of all the movies I've seen, because I've seen so fucking many. I was a lazy kid growing up. I sat in front of a TV a lot. <laughs> um, moving on. Robert Forster as Captain Dan Holland. He's been in a lot of movies. Uh, 186 acting credits to his name. Films which included Alligator. <laughs> I had I saw that. I was like, uh, I remember that movie. Uh, Maniac Cop Three. He was in Jackie Brown, the Quentin Tarantino flick. Um, he was in the 1998 remake of Psycho. I don't remember him being in that, and I watched that shit too. So <sighs> there's a part of me that says, yeah, I'll go back and watch it again, but I I don't know. That was one remake where. I mean, everybody's made the joke about you can see Anne Heche's butthole, whatever. We all know that, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't really care for that. That was one one of those remakes where I was like, eh, unnecessary. Didn't need it. Uh, Robert Forster was also in Mulholland Drive. Olympus Has Fallen. I believe he's also in London Has Fallen as well. Uh, ton of TV work, but he was also in Breaking Bad, and he was in the Justice League Unlimited series as he did the voice of the president, I believe. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Joseph Bottoms as Lieutenant Charles Pizer. Uh, the only movie I really recognized him in was a movie from 1984 known as Blind Date, and I'm not talking about the one with Kim Basinger and Bruce Willis. This was the uh, uh, it was a sort of like a they called it a high-tech sci-fi thriller, uh, but Kirstie Alley was in this uh, this this version of Blind Date. Um, Joseph Bottoms was also a regular on the soap opera Santa Barbara for like five years. Uh, that was but the only things that really stood. I he again, I, and I said this. I think I said it last week. A lot of these movies I've been doing lately. A lot of TV actors in these movies. Um, but moving on. Moving on. Uh, Yvette Mimio as Dr. Kate McRae. The only two movies that I noticed that she was in that stood out for me, Toys in the Attic and The Time Machine from 1960. Um, and I'm not going to lie, like she's pretty much the only female in this movie. Uh, she is the one that gets kidnapped by Dr. Reinhardt. But the the really cool thing is, is that even though she's the only female, she wasn't like the whole damsel in distress thing. Very smart, intelligent, 
Um, she was a tough woman. She, you know, I'll talk more about her character in a bit. Like she's got like this whole like um, telepathic thing in this film. Um, but it, it was kind of cool to see that they they didn't make her like just this like typical damsel in distress. Of, like you know she's the f- one female, so oh everyone you know takes advantage of her kind of thing. No, it wasn't like other films from the seventies. She she was a strong character. It was decent. Um, Ernest Borgnine as Harry Booth. For those of you who love your John Carpenter films like I do, you will know him especially as Cabby from Escape from New York. Uh, he was also in, I always have a hard time saying this word, but The Poseidon uh, Adventure, he was in that. He was also the voice of Mermaid Man on SpongeBob SquarePants uh, for uh, multiple years. And he did, uh, again, uh, another TV actor. He did a lot of TV roles. But I thought it was kind of cool that he was Mermaid Man and Cabby. I was like... And it was funny because, like, watching the film, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, ah, you know, that's why he always seemed familiar to me in Escape from New York. Moving on to now, Tom McLaughlin as Captain S-T-A-R. Um, so... Tom McLaughlin didn't do a lot of acting. He was, however, a church guard in Critters 2. Um, and he was, okay, um, Tommy's hands. In Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason lives, he was Tommy's hands that opened the coffin. Uh, <laughs> but more so, where he was prominent with Friday the 13th Part 6 was he was the writer and director for the film. Um, he also directed... The episode of It's a Miserable Life from Freddy's Nightmares, uh, which is um, Freddy's Nightmares is I, I was recently talking with friends about this this week because I watched um, Freddy's Tricks or Treats, the, the VHS tape of that. I have all five VHS tapes. Freddy's Nightmares is a series that is very underrated. Yes, it's cheesy and campy. It was supposed to be. It was a lot of fun. It was one of those late night shows. Ran for two years. Robert Englund played Freddy. It's like he wasn't in every episode, but he always had like his like little like interludes and stuff like that. Like kind of like what Joe Bob does on you know Last Drive-In. Well, that was it, it, Freddy did the same thing. Um, I wish they'd fucking release that shit on like Blu-ray. You know, give us like nice HD restoration of it, whatnot. Probably never happened, but whatever. More on Tom McLaughlin, though. He uh, also directed the TV movie uh, for Stephen King's uh, Sometimes They Come Back, which is a decent movie for a TV movie, too. I remember it vaguely. (laughs) Um, I remember watching it when it was on TV, so... I think, actually, I have the movie somewhere. It's getting to that point, kids, where you have too many fucking movies, you don't even remember which ones you have. (laughs) Okay, and finally, so the two robots. Well, there's three robots, but the two that do the talking in this uh, in this film, uh, Vincent and Bob. Vincent was voiced by Roddy McDowell, and Bob was voiced by Slim Pickens. And Bob is kind of like that. Like the, it's funny. He's a redneck robot. Like he's got like, well, it's Slim Pickens, right? But. It's just funny. It's like a redneck robot. Never would have thought of that before. 
that's it for your starring cast. The budget for this film was $20 million, which was $9 million more than what Star Wars spent. Star Wars was $11 million. Uh, domestic box office, though, for this movie, $35.8 million. Star Wars fucking eclipsed this shit. <laughs> uh, the runtime for this film is 98 minutes. And now it is time for dun, 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 the synopsis. I need to actually get like a soundbite of that. Because I always do it and it sounds fucking lame. Very indie, you know, um, low budget. Yes, because my podcast is low budget. But anyways, on to this week's synopsis for the black hole. The black hole. The USS Six is perched precariously at the edge of a black hole. The vast, empty nothingness where space and time end. Anything that crosses its borders enters a universe of the complete unknown. And so begins a story that only Disney's film magicians could tell. A story of robots and humanoids of human genius and madness, and a spectacular descent into nature's ultimate mystery, the black hole. Okay, so there you have it. That's the synopsis for the film. So, moving on to what I am now calling Notes from the Beyond. Nobody told me it sounded like shit, so I'm keeping it. Remember last week I said, notes from the beyond. If anyone, you know, had anything to say, let me know. Nobody said shit. So, segment is now known as notes from the beyond. So, the whole thing with this movie, I mean, it opens up. We have, like, you know, the whole USS Palomino that discovers the USS Cygnus. Um, The reason I bring that up is because the Palomino doesn't get mentioned in the synopsis, which was straight off the VHS uh, release, so... I was thinking, I, it was weird because I was like, it makes no mention of the Palomino. But the Palomino is the one where, like, the, you know, the good guys come from, their, their crew comes from that ship. Um, so, okay, so The Black Hole is a 1979 film. It followed the release of Star Wars. Star Wars was 77. Uh, the thing was, was Star Wars had a lower budget. But it's... Gross profits were like very gross compared to this, um, because the black hole had the bigger budget. It was spent twenty million, uh, but it was a lot success. It was a lot less successful of a film. That's not to say it's a bad movie though. It's just kind of like with Star Crash and all those other movies there were so many movies that came out after star wars trying to cash in on the whole space opera adventure kind of idea and this was one of those films this was disney's jump into that whole thing you know so and i don't know i guess people wanted more star wars and less of everything else the robots vincent and bob i mentioned them you know Roddy McDowell and Slim Pickens did the voice for those characters and whatnot. They are a treat. I'm not going to lie. They're kind of like, it's like R2-D2s that float. Except one is like really pretty looking and like perfect, no dents, you know, and all, you know, he looks like he's like brand new right off the lot. 
And then the other one, the one that's voiced by Slim Pickens, Bob, he looks like he's seen better days. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, like they kind of remind me of like little like bulb kind of like wallies, I guess, or something. I don't know. It was they're kind of cool. But let's face it, the robot that steals the show uh, in terms of the robots is Maximilian, which interestingly enough, so your main actor, uh, human actor, is Maximilian Shell, and the robot's name is Maximilian in the movie. Kind of cool. Um, don't know. I assume that was intentional, but who knows. Uh, but he he's kind of cool, kind of interesting because it's, Hard to explain, but he's like kind of like a transformer version of Darth Vader, except he doesn't really transform much. He's got like kind of gadgets and whatnot, but he's kind of like your ominous Darth Vader kind of figure, you know. But in the difference, obviously, is that Darth Vader had, you know, his head was still human, his and parts of his torso were still human, where, where Maximilian is fully robotic. There's no human element whatsoever, or as they call him in this movie, humanoid. Um, and he's all red, red, like the devil. Oh no, the devil. But no, um, yeah, he's got like a lot of reds in this movie. Both him and Dr. Reinhardt are very red, which I'll get into something a little bit later when I talk about the end of the movie, but the idea of him looking like the devil and especially like the menacing laser eyes and whatnot is almost, I almost get this feeling it was very intentional. Um, the film definitely has a theme of ruler and follower, you know, God and disciple kind of whole idea. I, again, there's that theme of, of man playing God kind of thing. Uh, uh, Dr. Reinhardt's character is the one I'm talking about when I talk about that. And, you know, he, he's got his... Like he's on this ship, he's on this, he's on the Cygnus, he's on this ship, he's got these like, like his crew, I guess you would call them, they're like disciples and whatnot, they're black robed with, you know, faceless drone faces and whatnot, or, well, faceless, you know what I mean? Um, we learn from Bob later on, they're actually like zombie-like humans, um, they've been lobotomized, uh, so they were the crew if I remember the story correctly, so basically what it is is Reinhardt wanted to, you know, go check this black hole. He wanted to do so. He he was going against what his his orders were on the Cygnus, and when his crew tried to, you know, go against him on it, he basically lobotomized them all and made him the like their their faithful followers now of his, you know, and stuff like that. Again, the whole idea of man playing God, right? So. It, a very dark theme, if you think about it, especially like the whole idea of the, the 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 followers getting the lobotomy, which they show the lobotomy, like the process for it later on, you know, uh, when when he's trying to uh, get Kate McRae. He's kidnapped her and, you know, he's going to lobotomize her and make her one of his followers now. After we also find out that Dr. Reinhardt was the one who killed her father, her father was part of the USS Cygnus. So there's all that. <laughs> um, the visuals. Okay, so the visuals need to be talked about when you talk about the black hole because it's a sci-fi movie. And the visuals, yes. Okay, in today's day, in 2019, yes, it's a very dated movie. Still fun to watch, though. And you got to keep in mind, this is 1979. 
Um, reminds me, uh, the visuals remind me of like earlier films like Tron or The Last Starfighter, where it was uh, CG graphics in their earliest phases. Like, but then again, it's also got like the Star Wars looking lasers and like like even like the lobotomy process. It's like these lasers that like beam into their head, and it's sort of like when the Death Star would like you know was like blowing up Alderaan, and you saw like the 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 pyramid triangle like lasers connecting together to become one that's what the lobotomy process looks like um and not to mention sound effects a lot of the sound effects you hear in this are stolen right from star wars uh especially like when um like the the air shaft doors like open and close and whatnot it's totally that noise and stuff um so i mean yes it's very 70s film if you're gonna if you're gonna put it up against like you know movies like the newer Star Wars films, obviously that are very CG heavy, um, you know some of these cyberpunk movies coming out, Ghost in the Shell, Alita: Battle Angel. I mean, these are like maybe the stories aren't so great, more so for Ghost in the Shell, but I mean visually they're fucking amazing. Yes, you put that if you put this movie up against something like that, it's going to no, <laughs> no, not going to stand up very well. But then again, like I mentioned about like story, you know, um, because Ghost in the Shell has, let's face it, as much as I loved, you know, the movie, I love the anime more, but it has an inferior story when it comes, when we're talking about that 2017 film. Now, this, on the other hand, has a fairly decent story, a lot of decent ideas. And the whole idea of, if I remember correctly, this is the first film that tackled the whole idea of black holes in space and the idea of what would happen if you approached a black hole in space um and the imagery of that like that's where the visuals are pretty cool because especially at the end of the film when the cygnus is entering the black hole it's fucking ominous and it's awesome and it's kind of cool too because like from a distance like when they show the black hole far away from them it's blue and then as they get closer and closer and closer, it turns from blue to red, almost as if it's like like that whole idea of caution, do not enter kind of thing, like the whole stop, you know, red is, is stop is red, right? Well, it, it's almost like it has that, uh, this, this film, the use of color, while not done in the same way as a film like Suspiria, the the use of color in this film is a nice touch. It adds a nice nuance to it, and a lot of blues and reds with this film. Um, a bit of greens and whatnot. Um, also, the other th- the, the other thing that I like about this film is like like the USS Cygnus is a futuristic ship. It, it's supposed to it you know if you look at Reinhardt and Maximilian are kind of like the Emperor and Darth Vader, right? So if you've got like kind of like that Empire mentality, if you remember Star Wars, Star Wars was the desert was very brownish. And then when they were in the Death Star, everything was very silver. In this, the USS Cygnus is very colorful. There's there's buttons and lights and TVs all over the place. And everything looks like, well, almost overwhelming, but... It looks kind of cool, and it's very colorful, though. They, when they're out in space, space looks really awesome. I mean, it's a lot of stars that you wonder how come they're not hitting any of them, but <laughs> uh, because like it's just the, 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 
the whole sky is just littered with stars. And it's like, okay, but if there's so many stars, how come you're not hitting any of them or coming close to any of them? But whatever. I mean, that, that's sci-fi fiction, right? I mean, like, that's that's what it is. Um, in terms of the story, because I mentioned the story, the story is decent for this. It's not the best story ever, um, but it is easy to follow. It's the whole... One ship finds another ship. Good crew versus, you know, bad, like, dictator kind of leader. And, you know, you've got this ominous black hole wreaking havoc. Um, the whole idea of man playing God with the black hole being like a godlike power. Um, on top of the fact that you have the music, the music by John Barry, which is ominous and menacing. Uh, the best word for it, haunting. Um, but also very heroic when, when the good guys do the good things, it's very heroic themes and whatnot. Um, very much like star Wars. Uh, (laughs) you have good robots versus evil robots. You have the final showdown, the final battle between Vincent and Maximilian is okay. It's not great. But then again, what, what are you supposed to do? You have metal robots, that are limited in their movements. I mean, they don't have a lot of movements. As a matter of fact, like like Vincent really doesn't do anything. He's got lasers that shoot out of him. Um, he's got human eyes and, you know, like... But it's like he, they don't have much movements. And Maximilian, he's kind of like... He's got, like, things like, like R2-D2 had with the little, like, arms that come out and stuff like that. But he can't really do a whole lot. Um the actors themselves, I'll move on to this for a bit, uh, because it does kind of tie into uh, Maximilian as well. So I'm going to talk about him first, because for me, he's the top billing of the of the film, even though it is Maximilian Shell. But Anthony Perkins, Anthony Perkins is solid. There are times, though, where his acting is kind of bland, almost like he's reading his lines. But, I mean, all in all, he's still fun to watch. Uh, his death, though, which is kind of dark. They don't show anything, but you get the gist of what happens. Again, is where I I talk about Maximilian, where, you know, he's got these arms that come out with these, like, spinning, rotating blades. And he kills, you know, the the character that Anthony Perkins is playing, um, uh, Adam Durant. He he kills him. Like, it's like, woo, hey, like a Disney film killing people. It's kind of, there's a lot of death in this, actually. Um, Cabby is another one who dies, you know, Ernest Borgnine's character, um, which his acting is solid, too. He, he's fun to watch. Robert Forster, the same thing. But let's be honest, Maximilian Schell is the one who steals this movie. It's funny, the the robot Maximilian steals for the robots. Maximilian Schell, the actor, he steals it for, you know, his portrayal of Reinhardt. Reinhardt is ruthless. He is awesome. Like he's not nothing shakes this man. He's just like he he has his missions and he knows exactly what he wants and he's very determined. Um, his portrayal is great. He chews up scenery, but who the fuck cares? Uh, he, he he's he's fucking great. In terms of some of the things that might disappoint people, okay. So especially when I was reading reviews and I was reading online comments about this film and whatnot. People complain about the science of the film because, yes, <laughs> um, there's some bullshit science in this movie. 
However, I mean, I, I understand that. And here's my thing. When, when I watch science fiction films, yeah, okay, you want a bit of believability to them, obviously, because it's science. You know, the, the word science comes up and people want fact. They want, they want a little bit of believability. But I also keep in mind that this is a Disney movie. And Disney, they like to kind of like just go off in their fantasy tangents as well. I, I don't even know if fantasy, uh, science fiction is the way I would call this. I would call this fantasy fiction or science fantasy um, because it does a lot of shit. I mean, like, come on. As much as you got to give the movie a bit of slack, like these humans, the humanoids in the film would not be able to survive half the elements this film throws at them. Like, especially like when when the USS Cygnus is being pulled into the black hole and there's like this meteor shower that's also following them into the black hole and the meteor is like destroying the hull of the ship. The hull is breached. There's open pockets into space now. There would be no oxygen. It would be freezing as fuck. There'd be no gravity or anything. And these people are still like running across catwalks and whatnot. Um, there's no way they would survive. Like literally no way they would survive. When the black hole is pulling, you know, people towards it. And Vincent goes out and saves like the one. Um, oh, shit. I forget who he saves. But he saves one, uh, one of the, the, the captain, I believe it is. He saves him. And he goes flying out and. It's like, first off, the robot would get sucked in. There's no way he would have enough strength. No matter, I don't care how powered this robot is. The robot would get sucked into the black hole. He'd be gone. Um, the person, the, the, the captain would be gone. Uh, black holes are strong. They're powerful. They suck in planets and stars. And you're trying to tell me these people are just sort of like drifting and still surviving, I might add. Um, as much as I love the acting in this film, and some of it not so good, but I, I I can't complain about the overall acting. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, trust me, there's a shit ton of movies that have been a lot worse. Visuals aren't bad and whatnot. Um, the dialogue. This was the thing about the dialogue. The dialogue, the wording wasn't bad. It didn't seem forced or hammy. But I don't know why, but the dialogue seems off. It's not bad. I mean, when Reinhardt's talking, I'm like totally into it. I'm like, all right, this is awesome. But I don't know why I just feel like the dialogue feels unnatural, I guess. Um, where yet there's other scenes where it, it seems very natural. Um, I don't know. It, it, this is a Disney movie. Uh, I assume they meant it for family viewing, but I'm not going to lie. This movie is dark. Uh, like I said, there's the death of Anthony Perkins, er Ernest Borgnan's character, uh, Harry, he dies. Um, it's scary at times. Like, I mean, you got to keep in mind, this was the first film to tackle on the whole idea of black holes. It's somewhat like, I, I don't Okay. Scary might not be the right word, but it's intense, you know? And for Disney films, especially a lot of the live action ones there you never really had that kind of intensity at least not up to that point you know a lot of the films were you know happier and stuff like that um so he, while i was doing my research on this and i did remember this a while back but i hadn't i hadn't kept up on the news about it so in 2013 it was announced a remake was being looked into like they were going to you know they were possibly going to do this and I remember that being announced, and then I 
didn't realize that it actually was um, halted, like it, it was put on hold. And the reason why, because the screenplay that had been written for this remake, Disney felt it was too dark. And my, I'm reading this and I'm going, why did you stop this? Like, I want a dark film about space and black holes. Like, I, fuck. Like, yeah, here's the thing. So I'm, like I said, you know, reading up reviews and comments and stuff. And I saw people were saying that the first black hole film should have had a more G-friendly rating. Um, like, why? I, I, I. I have nothing wrong with a PG or a PG-13 film. I want something dark. This this movie could have gone so much further with darker themes. And then when I'm finding out that the remake, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, the remake's just a little too dark. We're not going to release this. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Fucking do it. Like, there's nothing wrong with releasing a dark film. Like, I, I don't know. And to me, I feel like after reading that, I'm like, okay, I don't want a remake of this because if you're going to water it down, I don't want that. I want something that's actually going to, you know, push the intensity and push the, you know, the ferocity of a black hole because a black hole is ominous. It is, it's dangerous. It's deadly. I mean, that's, let's have the stakes high. Come on now. Um, in terms of final notes, yes, again, like Star Crash, this does borrow a lot from Star Wars, um, especially when you do consider it has two quote-unquote lovable droids that just happen to always be in the mix of things, kind of like your C-3PO and R2-D2 kind of thing. Uh, the whole idea of the Emperor and his, you know, his Sith follower. I mean, in this we have Reinhardt and Maximilian. You know, I don't know. I like this movie. I don't love the movie, but I do like this movie. It is enjoyable. It is one. Maybe I can see why it had been years since I last saw it. Um, probably one of those films I would watch maybe once a year, once every two years. I, I, I can't see that I would return to it a lot, but it is enjoyable. In terms of ratings, IMDb gives it a 6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 41% approval rating. That, I think, is a little harsh. Uh, Ebert gave it two out of four stars, so like a, you know, a 50%, whatever. He says, it takes us all the way to the rims of space, only to bog us down in a lot of talky melodrama whipped up with mad scientists and haunted houses. Um, I don't know, for those of you who uh, follow the Facebook page, you probably saw that I I posted a few um, reviews recently of Siskel and Ebert. And I, the one dealt with the whole video nasties thing because just with the whole bullshit of, you know, let's blame entertainment on why we live in a violent world. Let's People, I'd like to point this out, in the Stone Age, we were violent. They didn't have video games back then. They didn't have horror movies. So fuck off. Like I said, human nature has always been violent. But anyways, getting to the point of the Siskel and Ebert things. So the one had to do with the video nasties thing that they were talking about in 87. And the other one was a review for New Nightmare. Uh, the Wes Craven flick. And the reason why I posted that was I wanted to show when it comes to Roger, like Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, Ebert, I could tolerate. I can deal with Ebert. You'll notice a lot of the times when I bring up reviews in this, I talk about Roger Ebert, uh, not so much Gene Siskel. 
And the reason why is because Siskel was an asshole when it came to horror movies. He was an asshole when it came to science fiction. He just couldn't seem to suspend disbelief at all. And he always had these like really negative and derogatory comments towards the genre. Ebert, on the other hand, would always at least try to find something positive out of a movie he despised. A movie he disliked, hey, that didn't mean that there were all things he hated about it. You'll notice when I do my reviews, even when I did Blair Witch Project, I don't like the movie. It's really not one I'd watch a lot. I'll admit, if I'm going to watch it, I'll watch it on VHS because I think it's meant to be a VHS movie. But I don't really care for the movie. Love the marketing. Didn't care for the movie. But I still try to find positives. And I find that when it comes to Siskel and Ebert, I, I always sided with Ebert. Like Even when he was putting down a movie I loved, at least he was doing it by looking at a positive. Um, so that's why I include a lot of what Roger Ebert will always say and not so much Siskel. This film also has a 2.8 out of 5 rating on Letterboxd. And Google users, 83% of them like this film. So that's kind of cool. Now the podcast zero rating so that I can finally end this, shut up and move on and let you go back to your your regularly scheduled program lives, whatever. Um, no, because most of you are free thinkers and don't have program lives. But anyways, I babble a lot. Podcast zero rating for this film. I'm hovering. It's really tough. I gave it like a 5.5 or a 6 out of 10. I'm kind of on par with IMDb and Roger Ebert and whatnot. I think it's a half good film. There's some there's some definite really cool things in this movie. There's one visual as much as it's hard to believe is really fucking cool. You have the the crew of the USS um, Palomino. They're they're running across a catwalk and there's this giant meteor that's coming right towards them as they're on the catwalk. Completely unbelievable. But it looks so fucking cool. I like things like that in this film. I'm also going to mention, for those of you who may not know, back way back in the day, we used to have these things where um, they had the read and listen books. And basically it was, um, when I was growing up, they were on little 45 vinyl records, uh, you later on they were also on cassettes. Um, it was like I want to say they were like twenty four pages. They were little twenty four page booklets that had visual. They had pictures from the movies, and then they would have someone narrate the 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 pictures. And it was a a record or a tape. You, you played like the first twelve pages were on the first side of the record, and then you flipped the record over, and the last twelve pages were on the other side. And if I remember correctly, the Black Hole uh, read and listen um, record and book was uh, narrated by Roddy McDowell doing Vincent. Um, I had that. And I remember like, I beat the shit out of that thing. As a matter of fact, to the point where I don't have it now. Uh, kind of failure on my part. But I mean, I remember as a kid loving the shit out of that. Um, and this movie, it just has that soft spot in my heart. It's one of those things where I just, I absolutely love it. But I mean, from a critical standpoint, it's about a 5.5, 6 out of 10. If I want to rate this as a fan, just somebody who loves it, I'd give it like a seven or an eight, uh, just because I do love it. Um, but 
as much as I love it, it's also, like I said, it's one of those, you see, you know, watch it once a year, maybe, maybe once every two years, because yes, the visuals, they are dated, um, but it's still so much fun. And on that note, I think I'm basically going to say thank you for listening. Um, thank you, Keith. Keith Bowerman, thank you for requesting this. This was a fun one. This was a, a real blast to just go back and watch it. Like I said, I had to watch it twice um, just so I made sure I remembered the things I wanted to remember. And uh, it, 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 it was fun. So I recommend it. I recommend you check it out. It is on DVD. I believe there's a Blu-ray release as well. Um, or if you can find VHS. Uh, VHS is really hard to find for this, at least at a nice, you know, reasonable price. I love these VHSs on eBay, of course. Like, some of them will be like, oh, yeah, this VHS tape's five bucks. And you're like, oh, that's great. And then the shipping is 28 bucks. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not paying that much for shipping. Um, but, yeah, you can find... I, I checked. The Black Hole is on eBay. Uh, I believe it's also on Amazon. But, again, the shipping. Yeah, I don't understand that. Shouldn't it be the other way around? But, anyways, whatever. Where to find this show? Where to find the show? You can find the show on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. Or at its home, thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. Home. The home of the Next Level Network. Um, as I mentioned before, Keith Bowerman from this week we're talking about. Check that show out, by the way. You know, uh, Check Keith out. You know, it, Follow his Facebook page. It, it's a good dude. Really good dude. I not going to say a whole lot at the moment but let's just say in the future 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 away from now <laughs> um certain members of the next level network will be on this show and keith bowerman will be one of them so i'm not going to say when right now but it's coming it's coming it's in the works so but you can find this at the next level network.com you can also find the show at what lurks behind podcast zero.com you can email the show at whatlurksbehindpodcast0 at gmail.com. Um, social media, social media, Facebook, facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcast0. Instagram, at whatlurksbehindpodcast0. On Twitter, the tweets. Uh, Twitter is... Ugh, Twitter is toxic. But I try to still do what I can with it. But damn, get the toxic on there. I mean... Social media in general is toxic, but fuck Twitter, man. Damn. But anyways, at WLB podcast underscore zero. Um, Redbubble. Redbubble, if you'd like to own a shirt, maybe a pillow, maybe a you know sticker, or coffee mug, or, you know, a, a, a print, you know, an 8 by 10 print of, you know, one of the designs I put on there. Uh, Red, Red, Red Bubble, Red Bubble. Yeah, what am I, Elmer Fudd all of a sudden? redbubble.com slash people slash podcast zero I also on the Facebook page there is now a button on there that is shop now um, it will take you right to the Redbubble site so if you you know you can't find the you know if you can't remember the link or whatever go on the Facebook page and just click shop now it'll take you right to it and now it's time for me to shut the fuck up but I will announce the next episode before I do so. Next episode. The next episode is about killer food. It's about those tasty 
things filled with sugar and cream and and they put a lot of pounds on us and in this movie they grow teeth and they kill us from 2016 the next episode will be attack of the killer donuts oh yeah you know where I don't even have to say anything a title like that you know what you're getting um don't wa- don't watch the fucking movie expecting to see like you know like the omen or the godfather or something like that. you're not getting that you're getting the attack of the fucking killer donuts CGI donuts people and it's fucking awesome but anyways on that note it's time to sign off with some music I'm going to uh play a track from the Mira Luna, Mira Luna performance of VMV Nation. Uh, I, I, I had to think about it. I was, I was like, what song do I want to pick? But I think I'm going to go with Control. Control was uh, very well performed. There were, The whole fucking performance was amazing. I got goosebumps when they did... Um, uh, what song was it? Nova. Oh my god, when they did Nova, I had fucking goosebumps. It was beautiful performance. Uh, Illusion, when they did Illusion. Uh, uh, another beautiful song. Legion was great. There were so many great performances, but I decided let's kick, let, let's finish this off with uh, the song Control from the Maraluna Festival of 2019 by VNV Nation. That's all I have to say. Thank you for tuning in. And next week, Attack of the Killer Donuts. Bye for now, everyone. should die, if I should break, not a god, not a devil, my soul shall take. If I should lie to betray myself, then I would doubt myself, I myself fall safe. I want to live shame, and it's all a whole lot more. Why stop of the fools and the spoils of war? Don't want 15 minutes, our reason why. Want to stay in the seal road, switching off to the sky.
Tet. <laughs>